Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sport's longest-running football show. My name is Jack Donnelly and on today's show we'll be discussing action from the Scottish Premiership, the Community Shield and look ahead to the international fixtures this coming weekend. Joining me as always is Struan Garvey alongside Taylor Murray and Football Roundup debutante Cameron Wanstall. I had to get that right this week because I mistakenly called Jamie a debutante last week when he appeared in the first episode of the new season so I'll put my apologies in now in case I make <laughs> any mistakes like that in the future. Uh, as with every show, we start with the big question, and this week's comes from Arsenal's win in the Community Shield, beating Liverpool on penalties. It's a bit different to big questions previous, as I'm expecting this one to throw up a bit more of a debate, rather than everyone putting forward their own uh, examples. Opinions do form debate, so I'm interested to see where this goes. But put quite simply, should we count the Community Shield as a real trophy? And I'm going to come to Struan for this one first. No, no, I, I do not believe we should. I think, based on what it is, you know, it's it's the team who've won the league playing the team who have won the league's major trophy. It should be a massive game. It's almost, you know, it's like the two best teams. But quite often, I think it's quite an underwhelming game. I think it's a glorified friendly. You rarely will see the two teams' best 11s put out, which was shown at the weekend. There was quite a few people not there. I think... Um, some some players were still at home and stuff like that, just watching it from abroad. So mm-hmm. I just it just doesn't have that feel to it either. You know, I I, I think because of friendlies going on at the same time, yeah, and there's like definitely. transfer activity and other players are on holidays and Instagram and Twitter, all the social medias. You know, they're they're relaxing now, and it's like, oh look, the community shields on. I just I just don't think it has that that feel to it because I don't know. I think when you when you go through your clubs like. Um, individual players' histories, you know, he's like, oh, he's a Champions League winner, he's a Premier League winner, he won the Community Shield, and then you, you, you just never really mention it. Uh, Cameron, are you of the same mindset? Um, well, it's tricky for me, because I say I like Liverpool, and as I said to you guys on the group chat yesterday, um, because we lost, I don't take it as a serious trophy. <laughs> now, if we'd won, I'd, I'd be all over it. Absolutely. But, yeah, no, I, in my own opinion, I don't think it is, but I would like it to be. Um, mm. I think you look at like Italy and Spain, even though now I know sometimes they get they're playing abroad and stuff for marketing purposes, but they, the clubs still take it seriously. I think Spain's made like a four team Super Cup uh, last yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Like, the managers take it seriously. It's a trophy win. I think it's the FA's fault that it's not because it's always been like a charity game and it still is to this day. And it's just for charity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what kind of takes the edge off. If they actually sort of rebranded it. And I'm not saying take away from charity, but if they rebranded it and made it a more serious tie, I think I would love to take it more seriously, and it would be good to see other clubs taking it more seriously as well. Because, as Struan said, a lot of it's a it's just a, a glorified pre-season friendly. Really, it's a final hurrah until the real season starts. So, I would like to see it sort of be rebranded and be a bigger occasion for sure. It's funny you you're talking about the charity side of it because that's what my my father went and referred to it as was the charity shield. Yeah, yeah. When when it's not been that far at least <laughs> as long as I can remember, so oh, it's going to show what yeah. your dad would call it when you were talking <laughs> to him about it. Taylor, what about yourself? Do you do you think maybe a change in format could benefit the community shield, or do you think it's not really going to do much for it at all? Nah, I don't think there's going to be doing much for it at all. Um, it's just I think it's just down to when it's played. The fact it's played so early on, like it's basically the first thing in the season. The season's not up and running. Players aren't mar- match fit. It's yeah. No matter how you format it at the start of the season, it's just it's never going to be the greatest spectacle. You could probably put uh, the Champions League final at the start of the season, and I guarantee you it wouldn't live up to expectations. It's probably always going to be known as that trophy, like that nobody will take care. It nobody will actually take 
uh, Kieran will probably just brush it aside and then concentrate on the other trophies that can probably potentially get you into Europe or you know mm-hmm. prestige of winning the league. So yeah, it's I think it's just lost its value over time and it's always just got to be known as probably a, a daddy cup. <laughs> I don't know. I I I do consider it. I I would count it as a trophy, but that being the main uh, the minorest of minor trophies, might that. I wouldn't make say you've done the quadruple if you won it though. Yeah, people do yeah, though. That's the thing. Yeah, but I don't it's, think you, I think that's too far. I do remember when Jose Mourinho first came to United in 2016-17. It was the Charity Shield, the League Cup, and the Europa League, which is quite literally what would be described as the. <laughs> The poor treble. <laughs> the poor and it was described treble. as someone's doing treble. I think Mourinho even made a point about winning a treble in his first season. He, he it did. Quite it, it was yeah, when he held they, his fingers up as well. When, the, when they won the, sure. they won the yeah, Europa yeah. League, he, he was gesturing all the players holding three fingers up, like, make sure you let people know you won three this year. You, you've not won the Champions League, you've won the Europa. You've not won the Premier League, you've won the Community Shield, you've not won the FA Cup, you won the League Cup. It's a bit like... It's good, but it's just... It's I don't know. Not quite it's, there. It's, the way I see it, it holds almost kind of the same, if not slightly lesser, value as something like maybe I don't know the the Super Cup, the European Super Cup. Because I mean, you still have to win a trophy to be able to have a chance at winning it, I suppose. But I don't know. I think Cameron makes a good point about reformatting. Maybe you could do something: the winner of the FA Cup, the winner of the Carabao Cup, and maybe the top four in a, in a mini tournament potentially. Mm-hmm. Just maybe uh, smaller games packed into like a whole day, and that could still do it kind of for charity it'd be more of an more of an occasion you could kind of get more fun out of it and then it would perhaps hold a bit more legitimacy because you're not just playing one team in a one-off game who knows who knows what maybe if we end up marketing for the fa one day we we might be able able to implement these changes uh with all this talk about the community shield we might as well have a look at the game itself and how things went for both sides involved the trophy went home with Arsenal, with the North London club winning on penalties after holding Liverpool to a one-all draw. Their goal came through starman Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang after some very select team play and build-up. Struan, the club are still to extend Aubameyang's contract. How important is it for them to do so before the upcoming season? I, th- I think it's got to be Arsenal's priority this window. I think before they go for any other signings, once Gabriel's done it, I think they need to get Aubameyang over the line because he, he has quite literally carried them through the Premier League. He- nearly won them the FA Cup single-handedly with the the brace in the semi and the final and then once again he's come up with the big goal in the final for the Community Shield and scored the winning penalty consequently I, I just think it's it's one of these signings that I don't think anyone in that Arsenal team could fill those goals and mm-hmm. I don't think there's many players available in the market as well who could have the same impact he has as well plus being the captain currently as well I think he's just I think it's just, just too big a loss the, the one thing I just find so confusing about it though is the fact that I think after the FA Cup final, Arteta had said he was quite confident and we're here you know, over a month later and there's still no things. I think Aubameyang himself is probably realising this is the last opportunity he can get that big move. Because yeah. like, as, as good as Arsenal are at the moment and they're definitely improving, it is going to be another season in the Europa League and very unlikely they're going to get anywhere near Liverpool or Man City for the trophy, <laughs> the Premier League trophy. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that's probably weighing in on his mind as well. Like, Despite how much he loves the club, this could be the last chance if a team like Real Madrid, Barcelona, anybody... Are in for him, I think. I think it will be a huge decision, but I think Arsenal will probably give him the figures he wants for a weekly wage, and it'll probably be enough to keep him on the club, especially with the captain's armband as well as a massive pull for him. Absolutely, I think he's been excellent as a captain, really leading by example, leading from the front as a good captain should. And I really think Arsenal shouldn't be doing anything but doing as much as they can to get him to stay. I mean, 
they sat they sacked fifty five people, so they've clearly got the wage budget for them now that they're not having to pay all those staff. Um, as for Liverpool, it seems slightly odd to think that they've lost a final, considering how prolific their trophy hall and their trophy hunt has been in the last couple of seasons. Cameron, do you reckon Klopp's side will be troubling themselves with this uh, defeat? I mean, it wasn't a defeat over ninety minutes, but penalties as well. But are they are they gonna is it gonna weigh on their minds, or is it just gonna be a slight bump in the road as they look to defend their title this season? Um, no, I don't think so. I think they'll recognise that. They've not had much of a pre-season, if you could even call it that. I think they had a training camp and that was it to prepare mm. for this. So there's no shame in drawn with the FA Cup winners who are, who are really pushing onwards and onwards. You know, yep. they're, they're getting better Arsenal. So, no, I don't think so. It was good. They'll say, I think actually confidence levels, maybe not for Rian Brewster, but for Takeo mm. Minamino, who's got his first goal for the club. That's a huge boost for him. Um, another attacking option for us who's starting to come into his own and... Thought in the game as a whole, they weren't too bad. I know Klopp takes the Community Shield seriously, as we were talking about how serious teams take it. I know yeah. that he does take Super Cup seriously. So um, they went out there, they gave it their best shot. They lost to as good a penalty miss as you can get. So I don't think it'll be too hard done by. They'll look back on this as just another moment where they've missed out on something that will push them to um, push them onto higher heights like their final defeats in the past have. So not a problem, I don't think. Taylor, just before we go on to the Scottish Premiership action, we just I just want to look ahead to the season for both of these clubs. How do we see both of them faring? I mean, could, could it be a case of Arsenal getting back into the top four this year and could Liverpool go on to perhaps defend their title successfully and make it two on the bounce? Top four eh, for Arsenal, I feel it's a wee bit too ambitious, but I can see them having a good season this season, especially with Arteta there. And uh, yeah, having, having a full pre-season under Arsenal I can definitely see Arsenal improving this season and not being the complete banter club that they have been I'm not going to say them probably they will have banterous moments as we all probably find out <laughs> but I can see them having a decent season Liverpool I think it's going to be tough for them to defend their trophy I, I definitely see I've said to you before I think this season Chelsea have a really good chance of pushing uh, into that top two I'm not saying they're going to win it but they'll make it more difficult Man City have the potential of signing Messi, which is a Galactico signing, but is that enough to win a league just him alone? Probably not. So, Liverpool, it will be tough, but I can see them probably doing it, but not with as much ease as they did this year. So, it's, it's, cra- it's crazy to think that you're saying, <laughs> you're saying can, can City win the league if they sign Messi? No, they need more. That's insane to think you need yeah, more than Lionel Messi to challenge even more convincingly. It's the way you just you need to look at it. He's, I'm not doubting by the way. If Messi, if Messi comes to the Premier League, top goal scorer, money on it, he will do it, right? But you need to look at City's defence. In fact, when you even just look at midfield to front, I'm saying if, this is a huge if by the way, but if they have Messi midfield front, perfect, but... I still think their defence is a bit shaky and I can't see them signing anyone if they have to sign Messi. So, genuinely, I feel like they still don't have a good enough defence to probably mm-hmm. win the league. Or, it could be a, a case of Guardiola goes, right, we'll just have to outscore every team, basically what Cop did when he first Klopp came to Liverpool. So, it could, be, it could be coming down to the fact that City end up having games where it's like 4-3, 4 5-4s and all that, just basically try to outscore teams, but... I can see Liverpool having the stuck since they've got Van Dijk, uh, Trent, Robertson, having to start their defence. Probably, I can see them coming out winners. 
For one of the one of the things that is always said with the leagues is the team who wins the league is not the team who scores the most; it's who concedes the less. The least, yeah, mm-hmm. quite often the case. So I think that that does bode well for Liverpool. Well, let, let's talk, let's talk about Messi quickly before we start talking about uh, Scottish football because I mean it's hard to weigh up which is more exciting to talk about uh, one of the best players of all time or Livingston Ross County, but. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll start. We'll start with Messi. We'll have a co- quick conversation about him. Uh, for personally, I'm intrigued more than anything else to see what he would be able to do in the Premier League, because it's been one of the biggest debates between the two best footballers of all time in Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, and who's better. And one of the arguments for Ronaldo's side is, of course, that he did it in Portugal, he did it in England, Spain, and now Italy. Whereas Messi just stayed in the one place the enti- the entirety of his career, almost twenty years. So I would really be interested to see how he would uh, then a- have to adapt his game and perhaps step up to meet those same standards he set for himself in Barcelona, in order to be able to prove that he can still do it in England despite having only played in the one place for his whole career. I don't know how realistic it is personally because seven hundred million euros. There's no way that anyone, and I'm not, and I don't even think Man City and PSG combined would be able to afford that, personally. So I really, I really am interested more than anything to see if City do manage to pull it off because if they do, it will be the biggest transfer of all time. Realistically, we thought we thought it was massive when Neymar moved from Barcelona. If Messi leaves Barcelona, there's no real, there's no nothing really topping that. Uh, but that, that's my opinion uh, Struan what do you think as a man that's fought Ronaldo's corner for the entirety of your of your footballing career what what, what do you make about uh, Messi's chances in England and perhaps abroad well, well, well I, I am under the uh, Ronaldo is from my opinion the greatest player of all time probably just as well I wasn't on extra time last week but um, <laughs> I, I, I do think Messi would probably be okay in the Premier League I've never really use that argument as such as you know he's he's only done it in the Spanish league but I think just just to see Messi in the Premier League I think would just be it would just be crazy mm-hmm. I think just just thinking about it even that such small things as you're going on your fantasy team and seeing a player like Messi or match of the day and Messi's popped up in one of the games I think it's it's one of these stories that's it, I, th- I think we get a Messi rumor every single summer that oh he's going to want out of Barcelona and then he signs a new massive contract and everything's okay but this summer it really feels like there's something there and (laughs) this might sound silly but one of the reasons that I've properly gotten into it this time is Carlos Puyol had tweeted out saying good luck captain whatever your decision is Mm -hmm. and then Luis Suarez Suarez also replied to that and I don't think you'd often see that type of situation because I think those players of course Barcelona legend and Puyol he'd want Messi to stay at the club but I think there's probably a feeling now that if there ever is a time it's now I think Man City makes complete sense. Guardiola, I don't think he's ever had an interview where he hasn't mentioned Messi at one point. <laughs> Aguero and Messi are really good pals. There's some Bar- ex-Barcelona staff within Man City. I think it's, it's as well, it's a really strong team who are, I think were the favourites for the Champions League last season. Probably, if they signed him, would be the favourites for the Premier League. I think it's 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 a very good situation to be in for Messi. I think, it, as you say, though, it does just come down to the money. But... I remember as well when Ronaldo went from Juventus and we've had Neymar from PSG, you know, they were massive moves, but they've moved in the past for yeah. the big fees. This is going to be the first time that Messi's ever actually going to go anywhere. So I think it's, I think it will heat up, but 
it, it's just got that possibility that in the end he just signs a new Barcelona contract and it just kind of all goes to nothing. So at the moment, I'm a bit I'm a bit hesitant, but I think if he does go anywhere, I think it would have to be Man City. I mean, Cameron, how, how realistic do we actually see it that he perhaps doesn't move this summer but next summer? Because Sky Sports reporting an hour ago that Messi no longer considers himself a Barcelona player and is not taking part in any of the training sessions conducted by Ronald Koeman and just doesn't appear to have any any further interest in the club because he he's obviously pushing for the move out, but the, the league themselves have said that he doesn't leave unless someone pays the uh, his release clause at 700 million euros. So how, how do you see it going between player and governing body of domestic football in the country he's playing in? It's an odd battle, you would say. Yeah, definitely. I think even just between player and club, it's amazing how Barcelona managed to turn away so many club legends. They just don't mm-hmm. don't want to be affiliated with a club. That goes as far as like Guardiola, and as you've already mentioned, yeah. Carlos Puyol and seemingly Luis Suarez a little bit. Um, but yeah, between the federation as well, like they're obviously going to say that. Like that's that's another thing. They're going to definitely say that because they don't want to lose their best product. They just lost Cristiano Ronaldo. They they don't want to lose Messi. Who's next? Really, you have Yao Felix and. I wouldn't say Barcelona Real have any real superstars in the making that are going to burst onto the scene mm-hmm. next season. So they want Messi in their league for as long as possible. They want to milk that cow as much as they possibly can. Um, it's a it's a weird one though because seven hundred million. I just don't see no definitely any not. club paying it. Like if any, the most likely person to pay it is Messi himself. I'm sure he has that sort of money just lying around, <laughs> mortgage the house or something. No, I mean like he could probably buy himself out. But could you imagine? I guess to that he pays that his own fee. Incredible. <laughs> That'd be. That would be the most boss move ever. Like, just ultimate respect for him. Um, but no, no, um, yeah, it's, I don't know how realistic it is that he leaves. I think it's likely it's going to be a real power struggle between him, the president, is it Bartomeu? That's how you pronounce yeah. it, yeah. Um, Bartomeu, and just the management in general. Ronald Koeman coming in, he clearly doesn't have any interest in playing under him. He also sees that as a slap in the face, that appointment. Mm-hmm. Um I think he'll maybe eventually get dragged back in, whether it's a legal battle or just because he feels he has some sort of need to for the fans. Um, I think one more season, maybe, and then, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But I don't mind waiting a year to see Messi in the Premier League. It's it's a, it's not the best seeing him in a, in a City shirt. It's, no. It's, like you say, it's definitely more intrigue than being pleased by that transfer. I, th- I think the biggest question I would have if he does make it to the Premier League is how expensive he would be in fantasy because uh, because there'd be a lot of money getting shifted about in my team <laughs> if he does make the trip over. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that for Messi and start talking about some Scottish football. Uh, I'll probably cut down a couple of the games that we were due to talk about just so this podcast doesn't go on to too, for too long anyway. Uh, unfortunately for me, I'm going to have to give credit to a team that I don't typically like to give credit to. Uh, performance of the weekend had to go to Kilmarnock. Uh, blew Dundee United away with a 4-0 win at the Bernabeu. Um Unbelievable. Nicky Cabamba got to Eamon Brophy back in amongst the goals and uh, Rory McKenzie with an absolute wonder strike. Taylor, how, how good were Kelly in this one? I mean, was it as dominant a performance, do you reckon, as the scoreline suggests? Or did uh, Dundee United have a bit more than... Uh, what it would just be said by the scoreline. Uh, I'm going to say something that might sound controversial, but Kilmarnock were very dominant with only 32% possession. Now, you might be thinking, how is that possible? But seriously, with that 32% possession, they've done more damage than what uh, Dundee United 
Dundee United could do with the rest of the possession. Mm-hmm. I was going to say 68%, but I don't even think that's good math, so I'm going to attempt it. 32, 68, 100, there you go. <laughs> Quite math. Back yourself, but, Taylor. Yeah. Honestly, Kamarnock were just absolutely lethal, clinical. Mm-hmm. Kabamba, oh my, he looks like a great signing for Kamarnock. Just his performance against Celtic to get that penalty in that draw. He's just a handful for defenders. I, I would actually hate to play against him. He just looks powerful, Aye. quick. But I think the, I think the goal in the match is going on McKenzie. You've seen Lampard do it. You've seen like Ronaldo, Rooney, everybody doing it. That is, it was just a, oh, it was a luscious chip in that back corner. And the confidence he had to do that and just run away as if like ah it was nothing. Like basically, mm-hmm. he had a wee smile on his face like I can't believe I've done that. And then just like ah it was nothing. I'd be making sure. I'd be milking that. I'd be doing laps at Rugby Park. Honestly, <laughs> like it was some goal. And that should be that's one of the ones where I'm like, if you see that in English Premier League, you see that week in, week out for the next probably mm-hmm. couple of months. But Kamarnock were definitely dominantly thirty two percent possession and they were lethals. So hopefully that's them up and running and they can make it more interesting. The fact you're saying that is kinda of saying it's not about how much of the ball you have, it's what you do with it when you've got it. Oh hundred percent. Dominating that kind of small margin of the of possession kinda of shows how lethal Kelly were. Uh, Cameron, looking at Dundee United, that's back-to-back losses for uh, Mickey Mellon's side now, and they've got Rangers next after the international break. Should they start worrying, perhaps, or is it just maybe a bit of a dip in, for the newly promoted side, who have looked pretty impressive since coming up? Yeah, no, definitely. They've not got the greatest team assembled. No. Um, they're missing one or two players as well recently, so they done they done well against Celtic. They're probably mm-hmm. unlucky not to get a draw. Jay got not a lucky goal, but... Um, certainly they deserved to draw yeah. uh, in this game yeah they were well beaten like um, Taylor's just went through there like a lot of possession for them but they've done nothing with it but I'm not going to say 4-0 wasn't fair because Kelly were just so clinical all their goals were brilliant a lot of them team goals um, I could talk about Kabamba's header all day the movement for that goal was superb um, but no United maybe maybe feel a little hard done by 2 or 3-0 Maybe would have been favour for them. They might not pick up points against Rangers, but they'll they'll bounce back. They'll. I don't know about a top six push. I was never ever thinking no. they mm. could do a top six push, but certainly should be well off the playoffs in the automatic relegation spot. And I think, I, I think most United fans will be happy with that. Their first season back after a tumultuous few seasons. So, yeah, no, definitely they shouldn't be too worried. Absolutely. And Struan, just before we move on, just just to bring it back to the Ronan McKenzie goal. I mean, Taylor summed it up himself. I mean, if that had been scored by anyone in one of the top leagues, that would have been everywhere. It would have gone completely viral. It would have been puskas-worthy, some some might suggest. Uh, definitely goal of the season so far. Um, can, can you imagine one getting scored better? And, I mean, should there be more credit given uh, from a kind of wider media and a finish like that and perhaps to Scottish football in general? Because we've seen recently just some uh, instances of a bit of disrespect online, especially for... Scottish football but when you get moments like that and you see them in the Premier League one, one a week maybe you would suggest so is it maybe goals like that that indicate there's a lot more quality to Scottish football than people realise? Yeah I, th- I think you quite often miss out stuff that happens in Scotland, I mean you have to go into YouTube really to find that goal, it was, I couldn't see it anywhere over Twitter or any other various social media platforms but it, it, it deserves to be there, it's a fantastic chip from outside the box and even as we'll come on to later, the, the goal James Forrest scored against um, Motherwell as well. It's a really nice finish, mm-hmm. but you, you just rarely ever see them actually spoken about on Twitter. And that's, I think a lot of people just kind of overlook the Scottish League. And 
from a certain point of view, I can understand. You know, I wouldn't have interest in some random league as well. But I think I think goals like that need to get the credit they deserve because it was fantastic, and I think it definitely will be goal of the season. Well, hopefully that's the last time I have to speak well of Kilmarnock this season. Uh, <laughs> their first win, it, t- it took them this long, took them six weeks to actually get a win under their belt. But I can ah. just imagine Sean's face listening to this. Oh, he'll be buzzing. He'll be, he'll oh, be absolutely he'll be buzzing. So he'll, he'll be so buzzing because I have to because you can't ignore <laughs> a 4-0 in any circumstance. To be fair, that goal is good, but it's competing against the 70-yard free kick that Burke scored as well. Oh, is it 70? Yeah, I, I thought Sean oh, was going 80, 80 the other day. He said 80. Mm-hmm. He did say 80. That, that'll, get, that'll, get, that'll get further back by the time the season ends. Is it dare to think of where it's going to be? Uh, we'll move on to the game that our wee brothers over at Extra Time picked out as their game of the weekend. Sunday's early kickoff between Celtic and Motherwell. Uh, the game itself had a bit of extra bite to it after David Turnbull joined uh, the green side of Glasgow midweek. Taylor, what did we make of Celtic's performance in this one? Was it a bit of surprise almost considering the midweek result or was it just another poor day at the office for Motherwell who have had so many recently? Uh, before I go into this, you've got to respect the patter from Neil Lennon. You know, <laughs> getting, that absolute, getting that abuse for not starting a striker and continuing with it. Um, he says it's not an ego trip. I beg to differ. I feel like he'd done that to try to prove a few people wrong the fact it wasn't that. But Celtic, they played pretty well. I'll give them that. They did really well. Uh, Ajeti looks like he could be a great striker. Coming When he came on, that he scored uh, probably, I'd say, the decisive, decisive goal in the game. Make it 2-0 and probably well out of Murrow's reach to even clinch anything. Uh, yeah, he's played 35 minutes of uh, football and he's got two goals, so he knows where to find a net and mm-hmm. definitely look like Celtic have picked up Someone, someone that knows basically how to find the back of the net. You would think, you'd but, hope so as well at five million pounds. Oh I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd, ho- you'd hope he knows how to find the back of the net. He's only played I think one hundred thirty-five minutes of football this year, so it was like it was a huge gamble for Oof. five million. To, uh, with someone that's not played that much, but it looks like this could be paying off. Whether he's fit enough to be playing full games is yet to see. You know, well, Ryan Christie being the main man to start Celtic up front, we don't know. Edward, will he still be there? Obviously, he's got an injury. I can see him probably being there to the end of the season. But Murrow, Murrow just do not know where to go for there, genuinely. They have not won... Uh, well, I'm not saying they should have won this one, but they have not won a game this season. They're starting to go into seventh week now. Is it worrying times for Steve Robinson? I'm starting to think so. Uh, it's true, and just looking at uh, Celtic again, I mean, just that... The midweek team, I mean, he turned a few heads with not playing a striker and he did it again on Sunday as Taylor mentioned I had to, I think it was uh, I can't remember which it was someone from uh, the terrace that said it on Twitter uh, you just had to completely respect the patter because it was funny just just seeing that team kind of be rolled out again after a bit of a disaster against Ferenc Varos in the Champions League qualifiers um, what, why do you think he did it realistically because there was no striker on the pitch for four to five minutes, and Patrick Kamala came on at half time. I mean, what, what is it about the likes of Kamala and Ajeti that has Neil Lennon choosing not to play them? I know he's been used to Edward for so long now, but surely you would expect him to at least have faith in one of his deputies when he's got an injury like this one. I, I think with Ajeti, apparently, he's still not fully match fit. I, th- I think once he's, I think he's, he'll definitely get game time. But as as for Kamala, I was. Speaking to Taylor the other day, I, I think he could be up there with one of the worst signings that we've seen in recent years. And, and, and I think it's quite clear that Lennon doesn't have 
much faith in him at the moment, which surprises me because he was Lennon signing. Mm. He's not one of these players that he's inherited or he's been forced to. And I think it was quite a, a decent bit of money that they've put into him, and he, he actually missed a pretty pretty much a sitter in the game as well that came across to him from Taylor, but Greg Taylor, that is. Yeah. I think <laughs> not, 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 not Taylor. Some, some ball by me, by the way. Oh, great delivery. But the um, I, I, it could also be some kind of message to the board, like, uh, hey, come on, guys, I'm having to play you know, these people because you're not giving me whoever I want. But I, I think there are enough strikers. We knew they wanted Fletcher as well, but he, he yeah. chose to join um, Stoke. Stoke City. So that was probably a bit of a kick in the teeth for Celtic. But I think this... It is maybe partially down to as well proving the point that you know these players can do it. Part of me thinks Chris Julian might as well start up front because his goal, <laughs> I think that was on his weak foot as well, is actually a really good finish. And I'm still not sure about him defensively, and he's he's quite a good goal threat. So I'd, it might be interesting to see him play as a wee false nine or something up top. It would be a, <laughs> an interesting thing to try. But yeah, I, I just think I, I just think he's trying to send a message. I think as well. It's highlighting how important Edward is to that team yeah. in terms of doing like getting the club put all their efforts into making sure they keep him for this season and then next season letting him go back. So I think losing out in the Champions League was a massive blow, and I think for transfers as well, it was Shane Duffy was heavily linked with the move, and that seems to have all gone silent now as mm-hmm. well. So I'm not sure if missing out in the Champions League has proved a big big loss in that, especially with Ben White coming into Brighton. It doesn't look like Duffy's going to get much game time there mm-hmm. at all. It's it's interesting because I mean. The, the Champions League was such a draw for players like Edward, and if he is going to go with Celtic, really do need to find a good price considering uh, PSG are apparently quoted 40% of the sell-on fee. So if if they are to sell him, they really need to get a decent price for him if they really want to make yeah, use of that money. Um, PSG have played that really well. Yeah, yeah. PSG have <laughs> played, played that, that very fantastically well. well. Uh, Cameron, just to touch on Motherwell before moving on, their star boys going in the midfield and uh, David Turnbull. Results are becoming increasingly difficult to come by. How long can things go on this way before Stephen Robinson has to start feeding for his job? Uh, yeah, not long, to be honest. Uh, I think the Europa League win, like convincing win, did help them out. Mm. Um, they didn't seem too poor, to be fair, in this game until Forrest's goal, as Struan's already mentioned, a great goal. Um, and then when Lennon actually did change his mind, put on a striker, yep. the goal started rolling in. Um it wasn't an unconvincing performance to be fair, but yeah, the results aren't looking great. They've been beaten by their rivals Hamilton, which never a good sign, never um, especially when your rivals are Hamilton. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've really I don't have much to say about them for this game. They kind of just fell away from it. They've lost their best players. You've touched on there and um, worrying signs. I think Stephen Robinson knows that he's not going to walk into any other jobs, but he's no. he's a good enough manager. He's got a reputation. He's been linked to international jobs. Um, he certainly wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he was sacked or if he walked away with his head held high. So, yeah, um, unless results improve, maybe within a month or two, we might be seeing a new manager at Fir Park. Uh, and another of the biggest games of the weekend, Hibernian suffered their first defeat of the season after Martin Boyle gave away a penalty, which Lewis Ferguson scored to steer Aberdeen to a 1-0 victory. Struan, I feel, I feel like you've stopped talking as positively about Hibs in recent weeks and I don't imagine you've got much... Of a positive spin to put on this one. So, what went wrong for them this time around? I I think the the lack of midfield is really really showing more and more of these games. I did actually agree with Sean's big shout last week that um, Hibs are not as good as they seem. I think the last three results leading up to this, an offside goal against Dundee, a nil nil with Motherwell, and then a very dubious penalty scored against St. Johnson. So, I think it was very much a case of riding the luck, and I think. 
missing out on Gogic was absolutely massive. I think Nisbet up front as well has been a huge loss. But I think the, the worst thing for me personally in this game is the fact of how good Ross McCrory was. And it just it was screaming out how much he would be. I think he even got mad mm. of the match, how useful he would be in that Hibs midfield because it's just getting overrun game after game. The, the it's, it's a really annoying way to lose a game as well with the penalty with Boyle. You just you just want him to clear it, tries to dribble it back inside his own box, and then ultimately kicks the Aberdeen play. It's just it's a stonewall penalty every day of the week. But I think there really needs to be midfield reinforcements. I, I, I don't mind Halberg and Malin. I think they're good players, but I think the fact that you know uh, Newell, who was signed as a winger, is one of our best midfielders at the moment, I mm-hmm. think speaks volumes about that, the area of the pitch. But I will I will try and be positive in the sense that there still hasn't been a single goal conceded in open play so far compared to an absolutely abysmal defence last season. I think Paul McGinn and Josh Doig have been really big parts in that, mm-hmm. having some good fullbacks. I don't mean to slag off Stevenson and Whitaker, but you know You're going I, to. I, 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 I mean you are. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think I think Porches as well was was awarded some people's man of the match in the game as well. He's he's had a shaky start. I think Paul Hanlon's been very good, unlucky to miss out on a Scotland call up if you ask me and I, th- I think there are areas to be positive. I think Hibs had chances and against Aberdeen before they scored as well, but I think there is clear lack of midfielders. Daryl Horgan's going to be leaving as well, but um, I think Jamie Murphy's quite a good signing. I was mm-hmm. really impressed with him at Rangers before he got his injury. So. That's a huge signing for Hibs. I, I think it's going to be... Uh, I, I, I don't think third place is nailed on as it, as it seemed at the start of the season. I, I don't think the league title's nailed on either, unfortunately. There was a, <laughs> some, some hope for that, but I think... You know, Aberdeen have got a fantastic record against Hibs as well, so I think it was just one of those games that th- this this run had to come to an end, and it was inevitable, really. Um, just uh, looking at uh, Aberdeen, Cameron, it's three wins on the bounce for Derek McInnes' side, four if you count their Europe League ventures. Um, they've got a couple of win- winnable games on the horizon with Kilmarnock and Motherwell waking their way up to Pataudry after the international break. Should they win these two, are they firmly back in contention for third place? Yeah, probably. Seeing all the other big teams sort of slack off a little bit, um, Motherwell, Hibs, they've all dropped off massively. Even Livingston, maybe we're going to push on again. They look like relegation candidates now. Um, I don't even think they had Cosgrove available. Is he out for a while? Or Aye, he's out until at least the turn of the year, I think. Is he? Oh, that's true. But, um, no, Marley Watkins looked kind of um, spiverted that game, won the penalty, um, good closing down. So he seems to be a decent fill-in for him up front. Um no, I think definitely if they can get those two wins there, uh, Struan's already said Ross McCrory, brilliant signing. I think that's just good for him as well, personally, because I don't know if you've seen this post-match interview, but he basically slated Rangers for things he said mucking him about, and he was really praising Derek McInnes, so it's good Fantastic. to see a Scotland prospect, you know. Going really... against one of the big old front, the big Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's a good thing to see. Um, and he's, now he's getting game time, maybe a hopeful for the Scotland squad like his brother. Um, yeah. But yeah, sorry, back to your question. Um, Aberdeen, definitely. If they win those two games, I think they're a shoo-in for third place. And looks like their season's starting to stabilise after a really, really shaky start on and off the pitch. Just, uh, just before we move on, just wanted to make, make note, uh, Jamie Murphy, of course, uh, new sign for Hibs, made his debut. Born in Glasgow, Wales, according to Sky Sports. He completely <laughs> made a, me- completely made a mess like that. of that one, putting the Welsh flag up. That, that, that them just trying to... Uh, get on the hype of trying to push Dodge into the Welsh squad, perhaps. I believe so. I, I, I hope Dodge has some sort of Scottish distant relative that could just push into the Scotland team. Especially. No, no, we we don't need another left back. Please, just make him Welsh. I'm not having no, no. another decent Dodge. Dodge, not Doig. Oh, Dodge. Oh, please, <laughs> Doig. Sorry, uh, I'm like. The, uh, 
Harry. The first time I actually seen Doig on the on the team sheet, I was like, ah, because it wasn't in order of the starting eleven, and I it thought, wasn't. No. And then I realised Josh was like, oh no, he's getting a chance because you never see Lewis Stevenson. <laughs> You're just just thinking when did Doig change his number? <laughs> yeah, he's got a new first name. They're going by his middle name now. <laughs> I don't sweet. actually know what his middle name is. That that's something to find out for future soon for future. Just so just so you, you can inform our listeners what Chris and Doig's middle name actually is. Well, Doig not getting in the Welsh team is. is, is as a shout for another day, I think. It could be could be a shout for another day. Uh, we'll move on and look at uh, the blue side of Glasgow with Rangers. Taylor, they kept their sixth consecutive clean sheet in a 2 0 win over Hamilton on Saturday. Alfredo Morelos, he was back in Gerard's match day squad, but he remained on the bench as an unused substitute. Any reason why Gerard opted to keep Morelos on the bench in favour of Kemar Roof in the full 90 minutes? I wouldn't say there's any need to risk him. Game looked comfortable. Um, Obviously, he's back in the squad after having a better attitude in training. But if you're going to be selling a player for big money on on a plastic pitch, you just don't want to be risking it. It's just probably best to keep him on there. And he probably understands the fact is why he was probably kept on there because he knows he wants away. Gerard knows he wants away. If he does an injury, that means Morelos probably won't get the move that he wants. Rangers won't get the money they want. So mm-hmm. I think it was probably best for all parties that he sat in the bench. Didn't look he didn't look too happy about it, but I just. He is just that. I think that's the way he is. He probably was rather chuffed the fact he wasn't risked or he didn't have to put any effort in that game. But I generally, a lot of people are saying that he's putting his head down. I don't believe that. He's not putting as like the hard working closing down he used to do. But in the same sense, I'm not saying that he's like ch- uh, basically chucked the toys out of pram. He's not mm-hmm. putting performances. He seems to money scoring. He still looked happy to be scoring. If Morelos did an interview with, I think it was Jordan Campbell, a couple of, a couple of months ago before lockdown, that, uh, he used to live in poverty scene in Colombia, and the way he seen it was goals earned him money. So uh, he explained the fact is he sees himself scoring goals as, no matter where it is, as a good thing, and the fact is scoring goals will always help him earn more money. So I can never see him going against all that just because he's... Might know he wants a move because if he keeps scoring, he knows for a fact is he'll be getting more money for wherever he goes. So I 100% rely it. I 100% believe that Morelos will not be there after the summer. Oh, uh, really? Not summer after the international break. I think, I think he's on his way out now. Well, no, it, it's, it's a good point you make about him. Uh, goals getting money, and of course he's helping support his family back home, which is admirable. But. I think he could probably save himself a couple of extra quid for a decent haircut. Do you not reckon? I, mean, I love that wee haircut he has. <laughs> one of the worst in the league. I mean, Dykes' rainbow almost baldy was better than Morelos' trim, honestly. But Bra- oh. Brandon Barker's a different level. I mean, it comes to a point you just shave it off, mate. Like, mm-hmm. you think Is it a trim at that point? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know how to, how to look at that trim, honestly. Uh, enough about trims and we'll look at Hamilton because they oddly enough find themselves in a bit of a similar situation to Aberdeen over the next few weeks albeit uh, inverted in the sense that this run could provide them with some crucial points in their quest for survival Uh, Cameron with Livingston, Kilmarnock and Dundee United in their next three can we see Hamilton getting anything at all or will they fall even further behind the rest of the pack it's Hamilton I know so they'll probably win all nine <laughs> um, all nine points as then they're sorted they're staying up um, no it's um, one or two tricky ties uh, 
I don't know. I, I didn't see a lot of them. I, they're playing Rangers, I guess, but mm-hmm. I, I really didn't see a lot of them. I, every season I go, Hamilton are going down, and then within about three weeks, uh, I'm wrong. Um, they're staying yeah. up. Honestly, it's, oh, it's an impossible question, man. It's an impossible <laughs> question. They could go out and get cupped every game, or go out and get like a win, a draw, and a loss, and they'll take that. And that's that's really good for them. Who, who is it again? Dundee United, Livingston, Livingston, Kelly, and uh, United. Yeah, <sighs> tricky games because those three teams as well are one game they're brilliant, one game they're poor. Um, mm. Too tough to call for me. So I'm going to sit on the fence with this one. <laughs> I, I I don't blame you for it because it just they are as synonymous with each other as bread and butter is Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton playing bad, but Hamilton staying up. Exactly. It just exactly. goes it's, every it's year. Yeah. Every year without fail. Every season. And that kind of covers all the biggest action from the Premiership over the weekend. Uh, obviously, no games coming this weekend because of the international break, which we'll get onto just shortly. But first, I want to talk about European football. Uh, this morning, the second qualifying round for the Europa League was drawn. Three Scottish teams all being involved after. Uh, 6-0 and 5-1 wins for Aberdeen and Motherwell uh, respectively that saw them advance into the second round. Rangers enter the competition at this round. They've drawn Lincoln Red Imps who famously beat Celtic back in 2016. Aberdeen drew Norwegian side Viking and I'm not trying to be funny when I say that. That genuinely is a football team called Viking FK <laughs> from Scandinavia. And Motherwell are heading across across the puddle, you would suggest, to Northern Ireland and they'll be facing uh, Coleraine. What do we reckon? Is it is it three nailed on wins, or do you reckon a couple of teams could prove problematic? Taylor seems to think that uh, Red Imps will do a number on a Scottish team yet again. I'm I'm fear I'm actually quite scared. <laughs> like, um, it's one of the ones where I'm like uh, that wouldn't happen to Rangers. So I'm looking at it. I'm like that that was a one off freak result. Happened to a Scottish club. Looked bad, but it wouldn't happen again. Now I'm in the I'm in the position where I'm sitting looking at Rangers putting. Red Imps away. Same scenario, I'm quite scared. I'd rather be proved wrong here. So I'm going to Absolutely. say I'm going to say Rangers gotta get beat. Proved wrong. Come on. I see the one time I don't want to be right. You're doing what Jamie did when he was yeah. predicting what I'm to beat Chelsea 3-0. <laughs> I'm just I'm in all honesty, Rangers will probably run out comfortable winners. St Joseph's we were a plastic pitch. Had that potential, didn't happen. But it's just because they've had history beating Celtic under Rogers' first game. So mm-hmm. it's a wee bit nerve-wracking, but I can see three wins for the three Scottish clubs, but Aberdeen having the toughest game. At the same, at the same time you're saying, uh, you, you see it going the same way, you have to keep in mind, it's Celtic in Europe. So that, that, that's just, that yeah. was the stigma they were playing with as Celtic in Europe. So I, 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 personally, I can see it all going, all going to plan for Rangers. Uh, maybe I'm just worrying for no reason right now. I'll just... Just Maybe slightly, no, aye, aye. Maybe, uh, just get get through the Scotland games first, and then you can start yeah. worrying about the. Oh, don't. <laughs> <Scotland. laughs> uh, Struan, what about yourself? Is it is it going to be a fairly competent uh, result for all three the Scottish teams, or what do you reckon? Yeah, I'll, I'll go positive for the the coefficient here. I, thought, I think I could see every single team getting through. I think Rangers will be absolutely fine. They tend to do very well in Europe under Stephen Gerrard, so I think it'll be a might not be a comfortable win, but I think it'll be quite straightforward for these games anyway. And, of course, it's not just Scottish teams that have been drawn in at this stage. Spurs have also been drawn, and they are playing away to Lokomotiv Plovdiv. Great name. No idea. I think I think <laughs> I, I believe they're a Polish side. I could be completely wrong with that. But I think, Cameron, you'd agree with me here. Sean made a point of it in the group chat earlier. The, the tie of the round has to be 
AC Milan taking a trip to Shamrock Rovers. Now if, that... you just, if you just asked me a question about Tottenham, my first reply would have been, why are you not talking about Shamrock Rovers? <laughs> because it is, it's the tide around, not even fussed about the Scottish teams. Um, yeah, I feel more bad for them because like, imagine the revenue they would have got. I know, it imagine, would have been fantastic. Oh, like, even if they'd moved to, like, I saw someone tweet, like, if they moved to the National Stadium, the Viva Stadium, they could still get, like, 5,000 people in with all these, like, 10% fans or whatever, mm. but that looks unlikely, because um, UEFA said no no fans whatsoever. Uh, yeah, what a tie, though, eh? That's, even for the fans not being able to be there, still be able to watch your players go out and play AC Milan in a competitive fixture. That's just amazing. It's what that competition's all about, basically. Can we have a 1-0 win? A 1-0 win for Rovers? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, AC Milan have just keep falling down, falling through the motions, and they're they're yet to kind of plan a rebuild. So you never know. This could be the lowest point that we see them rise from the ashes from. So all all the power, all the glory to Shamrock Rovers. Hopefully they get the result. Uh, before we look at the week ahead, we're going to talk about something that's coming in the week ahead in Scotland games, which I'm sure we're all really looking forward to. Of course. Um, playing Israel and the Czech Republic. Israel, of course, as a friendly, but then going on to play them in um, uh, the Euro qualifiers as well later in the year. Have we got any hope for these games? Are we, are we going to be watching eagerly to see some new additions like London Dykes and uh, McCrory in the squad, or are we just going to try and avoid these altogether? What do you reckon, Struan? Um, I'm looking forward to. It. I always like. A, I've not not seen Scotland play in a while, and maybe that's clouding my judgment at the moment. That I, I for some reason have faith in them, but I am looking forward you, to. You it, fool! I, I am a fool. <laughs> we've, we've beaten Israel recently, Czech Republic, and of course, what one of those nations is known for a for a certain fantastic goalkeeper. But and I'm, and I'm of course referring to Marciano, not that not that one who <laughs> used to play for Chelsea and Arsenal. Um. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I think there'd be some interesting call-ups. I'm I'm still back in Steve Clark. He's the guy who I wanted to be appointed a while yep. ago. So I I do have faith. I think I've I've said a while. I think the Scottish team over the past couple of years and at the moment is probably one of the strongest. I think in our lifetime, just cover around the pitch. I mean, arguably the best left back in the world is Scottish. I mean, I don't think we've been able to say something like that. We're one of the best players in the world is from Scotland. Talking about Josh Doig again, aye. Yep, unfortunately didn't get the call up though. <laughs> no, I was reality. I had a feeling. Had a feeling. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think there's there's case to be optimistic. The midfield is strong as well. I think. I think we'll really miss the fans though. Oh, I definitely. Think, I think the national team will miss the fans massively. I think. I think it's going to be weird as well seeing no fans for the national anthems of every single game in the nations league. Yeah, that, that will I don't be know how much you will hear of the players because often quite a few don't actually sing to it. You can just so, imagine someone like someone like uh, Stephen O'Donnell belting out uh, Flower of Scotland off time, of course, because it's not a Scottish crowd if they don't sing in tune to the bagpipes, which are not also in tune to the soundtrack as well. Just just standard for us. Uh, Taylor, how, how do you see them going? I mean, are, are you bothered by these or are you just wanting to get to the actual competitive games that we've got in a couple of months? Uh, I just want to get to the competitive games. It's I want to get to the games where... I feel like we could actually be playing for something. I just these it's friendly as this one, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. This time I, I thought, yeah, I the, thought it was Nations League. Is, is it wrong? Nations League? Am I, I, I wrong? Was. I thought, yeah, what's it saying? I th- I, yeah, I it's Nations thought. League. Sorry. Oh, it is Nations League. Oh, that's okay. my mistake. Then right. my apologies. Right. Oh well, if it's the Nations League, then I've actually come on sit, then. I've actually <laughs> sat up in my seat by the way because I'm sitting thinking, oh, a couple of friendlies. I hate international break when it comes to friendlies. Got a bit of Nations League. I'm actually. 
now, in the space of five seconds, I went from actual bored to now actually looking forward to this. Oh, God. Weird. That's it. <laughs> Scotland are winning 6 0 against Israel, and we're going to get we're a draw not. against Czech Republic. We're not. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, I'm looking forward to this. I, know, I can definitely see Scotland getting positive results in both games. I think maybe the fans not being there will help. Maybe they've not got the pressure of uh, obviously mm-hmm. the fans being on the ground, which. As a football player, you should be dealing with. But Absolutely. If it helps, by the way, all for it. I'd rather Scotland didn't have any fans for the end of time if it means I was getting to the World Cup. But then as soon as we get to the World Cup, I do want fans there. But, you know, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But, aye, I'm looking for... Lyndon Dykes, I'm hoping he is... I've said that, I think I said this an extra time when I was on. I think Lyndon Dykes could be the answer for Scotland up front. I do not rate any of our strikers, really. Shanklin, mm-hmm. yes, but he's out injured. Yes. And, yeah. uh, so is McBurney. He's had to yeah, withdraw from the squad. McBurney, obviously, there was an argument the fact he's a Premier League striker. Jamie said the fact he's like he's a true number nine. He's like, plays pretty well. But I think Lyndon Dykes and Shanklin could be the way forward for Scotland. Since we don't have Naismith, Griffiths, and all that. I feel like this could be the chance where we might actually see some decent strike options in. Maybe, maybe I could go as far as say back to the times when we had a prime Griffiths and Chris Boyd. Will oh, that God. be the case? I don't know, but we're here hoping. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm quite excited by the striking options we've got just now. Considering it wasn't too long ago, our only option up front was Stephen Fletcher, who mm. I think the term donkey sums up more than more than <laughs> anything else. Uh, you think you've got you've got McBurney and Shanklin who are injured just now. You've got Lyndon Dykes coming through. You've got Kevin Nisbet who could be in line for a Scotland call up sooner rather than later. All for well. that. I'm all for that. So I mean, striking options could be good going forward. The midfield is completely stacked. You've got like of Christie, Fleck, McGinn, uh, Struan's man McTominay. Uh, you've got three high quality left backs. Unfortunately, with uh, Robertson, Tierney, and Greg Taylor as well. Area, real area for concern is right back. I do not rate Stephen O'Donnell whatsoever, despite his cracking goal against um, Glenn Torren in the Europa League for Motherwell. Uh, I, I don't want, I don't want to uh, kind of step on the toes of what extra time's planning on Thursday with um, uh, their collective effort for us, the Scotland team to play, the Scotland starting eleven to play in these two games. But Cameron, is it anyone that you just want to give a? Kind of teaser to that who you would advocate to start these games where there might be arguments drawn from it. Um, I I like Callum Patterson as a Hearts fan, so I just say chuck him up front with the captain's armband, you know. Just captain's armband right as in. well. <laughs> Make him the captain. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, I, I I'm sure I said this next time the other day because uh, we've quickly talked about it. right back. You're right. I think that's the problem area. Um, we talked about not having a right-sided centre back because I'd put Tierney at the back with him. So I mm-hmm. think Gallagher we eventually uh, found out was either footed. Um, I think left wing, left wing's a big issue. So I think the big shouts, the the midfield is just so packed. That's definitely where the talent is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a bit of a shame we'll have to do so much fidget about, like moving a left back yeah. and centre back, probably putting a centre mid up to left wing. Um, maybe if if Parson does play up top, if Dykes isn't trusted, then having a a usual right back centre mid up front. It's a shame that we have to tinker with our team so much. Mm-hmm. Um, if we just like a year down the line, if we can have a team that we actually mould into people in the right positions, Baron, Kieran Tierney, of course. Um, I think we have such a quality team all round. We wouldn't mm-hmm. have any superstars, really. We'd have a lot of good, like, Premier a good League unit, yeah. level. Yeah, a good unit, exactly. It's just what you need in international football. Um, and that's really exciting to think about. But 
for now I'll do my usual, you know, just like exams, I'll keep my hopes low. And then when it does work <laughs> out well, I'm happy. Uh, that's exactly what I'll be doing for the next few months. <laughs> I, th- I think one I think one show I completely agree with Graham and what he said on Extra Time on Thursday is that Stuart Armstrong should be the second name on the team sheet behind Absolutely. behind Andy Robertson yeah. because of how fantastic he was for Southampton after coming back from for a project restart. He's he really, he really should be there, and I don't know. I could, I could maybe see him dropping over onto the left wing, depending on maybe, what formation yeah. we play. But mm-hmm. you would think Tierney, Taylor, and Robertson all being in the squad, Clark could potentially go to three at the back again, which yeah. has been seen either side of the coin in success and failure. I, I'm still the jury's still out. I would say I'd say give it a chance on McCork. McClushy can't really judge McCork. Uh, Clark's three at the back to McClushy's because yeah. Two different mm-hmm. managers, one's probably more positive than the other, but three back I think has potential to do well, especially in these games I would say. When one manager started Graham Shinney left back against Kazakhstan and went on to lose three 0 there's there was no way back. I'm sorry. <laughs> that that has been the lowest point I have ever felt as a Scotland as a Scotland fan. There's there's nothing worse. Um right, to round out the show, we come to the week ahead where we look ahead and pick something within football in the next seven days that has us excited. This can be anything ranging from matches to transfers, international debuts, anything. Uh Cameron, I'll come to you first with this one. What has got you uh rubbing your hands in anticipation this week? Well, this is a disaster because I wrote down in my notes uh, if it's the Scotland games. And, uh, <laughs> you can say that. Think, you can say I that. forgot until now. I just looked at my phone and went, "Oh no!" Like we just spoke about it. I, um, I can come back to you if you want. If you want to have a, you want to have a thing. Aye, give it. Let me browse. Let me browse. Got, Go to the other Struan, guys. Struan, I'll yes. come to you since you get the time to think about your answer last week. So what, 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 what are you looking forward to this week? Well, Scotland games, of course. But I don't know if this is going to come. But I'm quite looking forward to watching the All or Nothing Spurs documentary. Yeah. Quite. Not too much happening in this upcoming week, but I think that'll be quite entertaining. I think that, that documentary should have a bit of everything, a bit of Jose behind the scenes, a bit of Harry Kane, Dele Alli, and these players behind the scenes, Ericsson transfer, the whole COVID mm-hmm. situation, what football's going to be like coming back with no fans. So I think, I think I'd have to go with that. There's, the transfers is always interesting as well. You're talking about like Messi and other signings mm-hmm. that we may or may not see. So I think that's always something to keep an eye on as well. You never know what's going to happen. One thing I will say, I've seen all, all the episodes available at the moment. Already? Uh, yeah, well, I, I woke up early this morning. I woke up at like 8 o'clock because I still need to prep, uh, prep my notes for this. So I was doing that while watching it. And I didn't realise it's only three episodes out just now and new episodes come every week. So I have uh, I've drank the well dry of Spurs content uh, at the moment anyway. And it's good. I, I, I have to say it is good and it's well worth the watch because... I think Jose Mourinho behind the scenes is fantastic. It's I really, respect him so much more, honestly. I actually do. It's really good to see that side of him. Mm. Taylor, it's what very interesting, it? oh, isn't sorry. it? Cause, sorry, I'll, I'll just say quickly. Because whenever Jose Mourinho leaves a team, he tends to end up falling out with the players and the board, isn't it? So I think this will be quite interesting to see what it is actually like mm-hmm. behind the behind the scenes. Uh, Taylor, what about yourself? Is there anything that you want to highlight this coming week that's uh, got, you, got you excited? Um Maybe it's just a small matter, a small player, Messi. I don't know if anybody's heard of him, but hopefully, <laughs> just seen Messi get you know slowly unfold. I don't know. Uh, he's really, he's been, it's been really quiet. Not not, not a lot of folk know about him, but he's clearly just you know had a legal case against Barcelona. It looks like, <laughs> um, yeah. So he could become the Premier League. No big deal. You know, he just might end up going to, you know, Man City for seven hundred million euro, or will it be in a free? I don't know. But I like to just wait till I see this unfold. It's going to be great, I think. And if Messi does grace the Premier League, 
um, well, when fans are back in the stadium, you will see me at the Etihad. Um, oh, is that is that would that be you? Would you be switching up from your allegiances in uh, for West Ham? You'd be. I'm just going to just to see Messi. Messi I'll, FC. I'll, yeah, I'm Messi FC. Just I've always wanted to see Messi or Ronaldo play in the flesh. Not had the chance. I felt like Messi stayed at Barcelona would be a wee bit harder because trying to get games for the mm. Barcelona is difficult. But it's got probably more difficult with being in the Premier League. But I feel like I've got more of a chance. But coronavirus better go away by the time you know Messi signs <laughs> yeah. and all that. Just so I can actually get to see them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like you. I've not seen either of them in the flesh either. I was meant to. Um, Scotland played Portugal in a friendly at the back end of 2018 if you remember and I got tickets to that and Ronaldo I think was we were waiting for the squad announcement to see if Ronaldo was there and unfortunately he was caught up in a bit of a case of his own at that time so he didn't make the trip across so I was quite disappointed by that but I, I as of next year I do have a friend in Manchester who could quite easily get tickets to City so if he does go I might be nailed on to see the, the the goat himself in the flesh. I I, I think it could happen. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The Stockport Messi might actually. So I was, th- I was thinking more. Messi. I was thinking more Nico Otamendi to be honest. Oh, I don't know if he'll be there next season. Nah, who knows? Cameron, have you thought of something? Or do you want me to? Do you want me to go? Um, I actually have. I just want to say quickly though, this man right here. I have seen both Ronaldo and Messi in the flesh. Uh, Hearts Barca at Murrayfield. Messi played. <laughs> Friendlies count. And yeah, they do. They do. Ronaldo, I watched United Sunderland like a football team we went down, and it was ah, a nil-nil draw. Oh, so, of course it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I promise. Two. I'm not jealous. I'm not. That's I'm not a, really a nil-nil against Sunderland's not great to watch, and neither's a friendly. Sunderland so, aren't great bad. to watch, but then when it's no, a nil-nil, it's even no. worse. Exactly. Um, you know, no. Actually, no. I was looking at Nations League fixtures. I'm just going to say the Nations League as a whole. There's actually some great ties, like Spain, Germany are playing. Oh, of course, um, yeah. Italy are playing, oh, it's like Portugal or something, I've just forgot. Um, some huge games out with the Scotland game, so mm-hmm. plenty of action. And the international breaks are miserable, but at least the Nations League does rub through ties. I think Iceland, England as well is playing, which is just, Ooh, you know, the yeah. rivalry brewing there. You know, <laughs> you know, the new massive Colossus Derby in international football. Um, never so be yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. You can go ahead and see yours now. <laughs> that'll be interesting to be in Germany, of course, uh, but for, for any Leeds fans listening, that'll be maybe a chance for your new signings in Rodrigo and Robin Kosh to yeah, be true. going up against each other. Two good players, yeah. Leeds having a very good window, but for me, I think this was always going to get talked about by me today. I think anyone that's been listening to me for the last week or so, that I think this is finally the week that Kai Havertz comes to London. Oh, yeah. he, he, is not, he was not involved in Leverkusen training yesterday. Peter Bosch has come out and said today he does not expect Havertz to train with them again. Um, the fee is, I believe, agreed at this point, and it's now just the medical and the contract to completely iron out. Havertz himself is pushing for the move and wants it done as soon as possible. Fabrizio Romano has confirmed that Patrick Schick will be a permanent signing for uh, Leverkusen next season, so they're already reinvesting the money they're getting from Chelsea. And I think it's so, so close to being over the line and then... I'm just so excited for it to happen, purely for the fact that then Chelsea can get on with the rest of the window because Lampard is still looking for other reinforcements. Declan Rice is being touted as the next target and then a goalkeeper beyond that, which personally I would make a priority, but I'm going to save those comments for a, for a different podcast. But Some signing. I, 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 getting on with the rest of the window after the first six have come in. 
<laughs> I, I, it's mad to think it's Roman Abramovich is ruining the Premier League once again, and I'm and I'm all for it. It's, it's true. And I thought you would have mentioned um, a certain Donny Van der Beek. Donny Van der Beek. Oh well, I, um, I've, 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 I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I just don't really know what else much to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until it's um, a penned medical apparently on Thursday, so it'll probably I, a Friday. I've not really seen anything of him, especially I, I don't know. He was almost kind of overshadowed in that. I see my feel. By I think it's, it's kind of, that IX team are kind of coming to an end now. Just thinking, like, so Saint oh, yeah, gone to Leverkusen, I believe it was. Veltman's now gone to Brighton. Brighton, De Jong to Lit, uh, Van der Beek, like the academy. Mm-hmm. They've gone. Ziyech has gone to Chelsea this season. Tagliafico's probably going to be off Onana. It's just kind of like coming to an end. It's a bit of a yeah. shame, but I think it just shows how good that team is. You know, the different price tags the big clubs they're all going to. Well, there we go, and I suppose that wraps things up. That brings this episode of the Football Roundup to a close. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, just a note, we're probably going to take a bit of an international break ourselves next week. Uh, we've got a lot of podcasts planned for next week, so our uh, Roundup is going to take a break. We'll come back after the first round of Premier League games. We're going to do a Premier League preview this time next week, so if you've got anything you want us to talk about, tweet us at Energy Sport. Make sure you subscribe to Energy Sport Podcast wherever you get yours, and follow us over on Twitter to keep up to date with all sorts of sports content coming from Napier's Finest. Be sure to check out Extra Time later in the week where Sean and Cameron will be joined by Struan and Jamie. Thank you very much to Struan, Taylor and Cameron for joining me today. I'm Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time.